What's up everyone? This is Mayowa, your host, and you are listening to the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuffs online from the scratch, solving problems and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these amazing six-figure entrepreneurs to share their entrepreneurial journeys, the ideas, the opportunities, the strategy they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. And now let's get the show started. People always ask me, um, you know, why LinkedIn over other platforms? And, you know, the, the simple answer to that question is, you know, why not LinkedIn? You know, if you really look at uh, the reason for Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, it's to entertain people, but it's also to stay connected to people on a personal level, you know, people that you know. So why I always tell people LinkedIn is that, you know, your network is always in direct correlation to your net worth. So if you're not happy with the net worth of your business, look at the network that you have or don't have. And the fact that LinkedIn allows you 30,000 connections compared to the 5,000 on Facebook. What's up, everyone? This is Mayowa, your host, and you are listening to the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuffs online from the scratch, solving problems and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these amazing six-figure entrepreneurs to share their entrepreneurial journeys, the ideas, the opportunities, the strategy they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. And now let's get the show started. Hi, everyone. My name is Mayowa, and I'm your host on the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm also the founder of the Book Court, a publishing agency that helps busy entrepreneurs write and publish a book that helps them become an instant authority in their niche and feed, build more credibility and amplify their reach, and as well as getting more clients for their business. If you have a book idea as a coach, consultant, or thought leader in your space, head straight to the bookcourt.com. That is T H E. B-O-K-C-O-T.com to book a call. And on this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast, I've got another amazing and awesome Six Figure Entrepreneur. And before we get the show started, I will pass the mic to him. He will introduce himself, tell us a bit about himself. Well, Mayowa, thank you so much uh, for the introduction. Uh, my name is Scott Aaron, originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, now residing in Marlton, New Jersey, about a half hour outside of the city. And... Um, I, uh, I'm a LinkedIn strategist and business coach. Uh, so I help companies and individuals, uh, utilize and monetize LinkedIn with a strategy and a system that I created about eight and a half years ago. Um, but my wife and I also own our company. It's a marketing and branding agency, uh, where we have different arms of the business. Um, we do consulting. Uh, we also have a group mastermind and we have a couple different memberships uh, within that umbrella as well to help people grow small but mighty businesses so uh, high revenue low overhead uh, but a business that they absolutely love and that's what we're very passionate about teaching other people how to do all right welcome uh, to the six figure entrepreneur podcast Scott. we're happy to have you on the show oh grateful to be here grateful to be here all right, let's just get straight into the meat and uh, potato of the uh, show. So how did you get started as an entrepreneur? What is the story like and how did you stumble into becoming what you are today? Yeah, I, stumbling uh, is, a, is, is the proper word for it. Um, so 
uh, entrepreneurship has been in my blood. Uh, my father, uh, he'll be 70 this year, um, is an entrepreneur, my grandfather, my great grandfather. So I, I've always had that inside of me, uh, but never really knew what entrepreneurship was until I was kind of thrown into it. And as the story goes, uh, I was 18 and a half, almost 19 years old. I was going into my sophomore year at university and my father uh, was working directly with a company. Um, he sold his shares of a company that he had owned and, and broke partnership to work for this other gentleman. Um, and long story short, they ended up getting involved uh, in a insurance fraud scam that landed my father uh, in prison for two and a half years. And prior to uh, getting sentenced and, and leaving for prison, my father ended up purchasing a fitness club in downtown Philadelphia, which unbeknownst to me, uh, was going to be turned over to me when he left six months later. So at 19 years old, uh, I became the owner and operator of our first health club in downtown Philadelphia. And that was my introduction to entrepreneurship. I had to learn on the fly. I had to learn how to manage people. I had to learn how to run a company. I had to learn um, how to manage myself. You know, being a teenager, being responsible for uh, any business is something that you're not really prepared for. But I feel that it worked in my favor because I was so young. I had nothing to compare it to. Uh, I had never worked for anyone. I still haven't. I, I've been running my own businesses ever since. So I think that really played to my, my benefit to not having anything to compare it to where I had to kind of figure it out along the way. And there were a lot of ups and downs. You know, uh, I, I was a personal trainer for a number of years, sports nutritionist, corporate wellness speaker, you know, we opened up three different gyms, two of them we sold for a million. Uh, the last one, I lost about a million and a half dollars on that, had to file for personal bankruptcy, lost a house along the way. So entrepreneurship is not a straight line. It's a roller coaster. There's a lot of ups and downs. But I would say with all the things that uh, we went through uh, personally, but, you know, now, you know, myself and my wife uh, growing the seven figure business that we have now. Uh, the resiliency that I had to show uh, in those various different business ventures along the way uh, prepared me for the, the, the proper way to grow and scale a business, which is what my wife and I are doing today. Okay, awesome. That's quite uh, a story. And uh, unlike most of my guests on this show who probably transitioned from a nine to five, uh, you have never had the experience of what it'd be like to work for someone. And that is one unique thing about you. So I'm very curious, like uh, you mentioned how your first business was left uh, to you by your dad uh, before mm -hmm. he was uh, sent to prison. So like from that time, how did you get started and transition into this online entrepreneurship thing? Uh, you know, from that offline business to the online world. So how is the transition like? Yeah, so... My father was uh, away for two and a half years, and uh, I grew the first gym successfully. When he came back, 
uh, we ended up opening up a second location in 2002. 2003, we sold both locations for a million dollars. Um, so at 24 years old, I became a millionaire. Um, and then 2004 uh, into 2005, we opened up our third and final location, uh, which I had for 12 years. I closed the doors to that uh, in 2016, as I mentioned, uh, I had to file personal bankruptcy to do it because there was just too much liability debt attached to me personally. Um, and I did have some successful businesses running outside of that, um, which I started in 2013. So, you know, the fitness industry changed a lot from when we had our first gym in 1998 until we closed our last one in 2016. It was an 18 year career in the industry. So there was really no online presence back in the 90s. When I started to think about, you know, how can I do more uh, without having to work more? Because I was already working about 70 to 80 hours a week. Um, I was up at four o'clock in the morning. I didn't get home till nine o'clock at night. I had no life. And uh, a friend of mine asked me a question, and this was probably the turning point in how I started transitioning into the online space. He had asked me, he said, if you got sick or injured, where you physically could not work people out, you physically could not get to the gym, how would you make money? And this was a very scary question to be asked because I didn't know. All I knew was I worked someone out, they paid me, I made money. That was it, trade time for dollars. But now that the wheels were turning, like, okay, so how can I move into a different space? And that's when I was introduced to uh, the online wellness space. So um, in the beginning of 2013, so about nine years ago, I started dabbling in the online wellness space, um, writing out workout plans, online workouts, online nutrition, and it, it quickly took off. And uh, I had a lot of people asking what I was doing. And a lot of my business was being grown through the means of using LinkedIn. So using social media, a lot of people were using Facebook and Instagram at the time. I decided to use those platforms, but also use a professionally networked platform like LinkedIn in the process, created a, a system and a process that I was able to patent. And people started asking, hey, if I paid you, could you teach me to do what you're doing? And that's when I was able to open up my coaching practice. And from that, uh, it spurred a course, a number of best-selling books, um, my consulting practice, and then obviously most recently in the last four and a half years, our marketing and branding agency, which uh, has a multitude of things underneath of it. So um, I closed the gym in 2016. So for the last six and a half years, we've been completely online and remote. Um, we have a, a growing team behind myself and my wife, uh, a growing and thriving business, and um, there's no looking back now. All right. That's quite a detailed and uh, a very awesome uh, story of uh, transitioning from the offline world to the online business space. And uh, speaking about your business, uh, right now in your business, where exactly are you revenue-wise for 2022? Like where, what is the figure like and uh, what is the structure that you have got uh, in place in your business? Yeah, so my, my wife and I focus 
on as many residual income streams as possible. So everything that we do um, is built around reoccurring revenue. You know, when you first get into the coaching space, um, you charge people for, for coaching packages and it's great, but the money is there, then it's gone. So the, the way that you grow and scale and sustain a business is you have to grow, scale, and sustain income. So what my wife and I have done is, yes, we, we, have, um, we both do one-on-one consulting, um, but we have a, a digital course that we sell that basically doesn't require coaching from either of us. People pay for it, so we have the revenue coming in from that. Uh, we have a year-long group mastermind program that is a, a 12-month commitment that is all reoccurring revenue. People get billed um, every month for an entire year and then can continue after that. We have our own social media posting platform where people can schedule and create and post their content uh, across up to seven platforms using our software, which is a subscription-based model. So they pay a monthly reoccurring fee uh, until they want to stop. We have a membership that people pay a certain amount per month to access uh, digital trainings that we have. We have two different memberships that people can join. And my wife's agency works on a uh, reoccurring income basis. So when people hire our agency, um, they pay an upfront fee for the first 30 days. And then there's reoccurring revenue for the two months after that. So it's a three-month commitment. And then it moves into a month-to-month uh, commitment. But once people get started with us and, and they're, we're doing what we need to do for their business, they don't stop. Um, So that becomes a reoccurring revenue stream. So we focus more on the uh, passive income as opposed to the active income. Active income is when people pay once and then you never see it again. So what we're looking to do with the five residual streams that we have now are continue to grow and scale them. Uh, So we create more time freedom. You know, we only work three days a week. Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. We take off Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every single week. Uh, we take as we try to vacation as much as possible. We have five little mini vacations coming up this summer because we want to spend the most of our time living and the least amount of time actually working. Um, and the time that we are working, uh, we want to make sure that we're doing what we love, which is we are blessed and grateful to do that. Everything that we do, we absolutely love. Um, but we're put on this earth to live, not to work. So we really have worked at creating this uh, abundant of time schedule for ourselves where we're living, uh, but we're enjoying everything that we're doing, whether it is uh, the time that we're spending just being with each other, family, friends, um, and experiences, or if it's the time that we're working with our clients um, and the programs that we're looking to build and offer uh, the communities that we have. Okay, that's awesome. Like uh, one big takeaway from what you just mentioned is the fact that uh, you've put a lot of thought and planning into your life and even uh, your business because it's very, very rare to see an entrepreneur like you who has actually sat down and worked out uh, what will happen and uh, have a work-life balance that is tailored towards uh, what you are doing and being able to have time for your family. And also the interesting 
uh, fact about what you just mentioned, which I want to point out, is the fact that you've involved not yourself alone, but your wife and uh, you are working together as a team. I think that is a very awesome one that uh, we hardly see or even hardly hear around uh, the entrepreneurial space. And I say I must say kudos to you and your wife for that. Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things that you have to have um, clear goals. You know, um, you know, sitting right behind me is our, our our goal board and our happening board of of what we want, and that's the one thing that we do ask our clients, you know, um, and the people that we work with. In three to five years from now, what do you want your life to look like? If you don't have a clear path of what you want to achieve, you don't have a clear path of how you're going to get there. So we always focus around the end in mind. So what is that? you know, three years from now, how much money do we want to be making residually per month? And then what we do is we back down from that number um, with the offerings that we have. All right, how many people do we have to have invested in what we offer to equate to that number per month? And true freedom is when you do have residual income. There is no freedom in active income. You know, you could be the best coach in the world. You can have the best offering in the world. But if it's all active income where you're having to sell all the time, sell all the time, where's the freedom of enjoying everything that you're creating? That's why courses are so important. That's why memberships and subscriptions are so important because, again, you provide value, you price it right, you funnel people into it. You're going to have loyal customers for life that whenever you continue to expand and evolve and launch new things, you're going to have those repeat customers for investing in any of those things that you're producing. Okay, that's awesome. And I think uh, you have been throwing a lot of value bombs uh, so far, so good on this episode. And uh, that is awesome. I think listeners out there uh, are surely learning a lot from what you have been throwing at us. And that's very, very awesome. So still talking about your business, one important thing that many consultants and entrepreneurs always uh, face is the idea and the question of where will I get my clients? That's your first sale and that's your first client. Like, can you just tell us a brief of the story, how it's happened? And as right now, where are your clients coming from? And Yeah, my, my first clients actually... Um when I first started my LinkedIn consulting practice back in 2014, I was on a podcast um, with a, my business coach at the time. And uh, a lot of the people listening were also his, his clients. And I was just kind of going over some statistics and, and things that I was learning about leveraging LinkedIn for my business and how it was working. And after I got off that call, there was about eight or nine people that inboxed me on Facebook um, you know, how much is it to work with you? And I'm like, wow, people will actually pay me to learn how to do uh, what I'm doing. So that was kind of when everything first happened. It was more of that warm market. And, you know, when, everyone, when anyone is starting a business, you know, the, the warm market is the easiest one to tap into, the people that you know best that you can serve. But then once you, once you go through that warm market, how do you continue to grow it? And for me, um, my go-to is still LinkedIn. I, I pick up clients each and every week off of LinkedIn, uh, whether it's someone buying my book and you know reading it and then starting to apply some of the strategies on LinkedIn and they find me and connect with me, uh, which is what happened just yesterday. I had someone that bought my book, connected with me on LinkedIn. They thanked me for writing it. And then we got on a call yesterday and they bought my course. So uh, LinkedIn is still proving to be my number one lead generation source because 
Um, statistically, it's 277% more effective for organic lead generation than Facebook. You know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they're great entertainment platforms and they may get you a little bit of traction, but LinkedIn is built and suited for people looking to network with others, to collaborate with others, to create things with others. And that's why I continue to use it myself uh, for our company, uh, for us as individuals, but also the clients that I work with and the companies that I contracted for. It's the number one lead generation source. Everyone needs a lead generation arm to their business. Um, and that's where I continue to fish from. And uh, I'm going to always be a salmon in the world of fish. I'm going to continue to do things that other people aren't doing, where everyone else is using Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm going to be over here leveraging LinkedIn. And I'm here waiting for people that want to learn how to do it. And I'd be happy and grateful to teach them. Awesome. Uh, I can feel your passion about what you do, about LinkedIn especially. And this is, even though it's much uh a deviation from uh, the normal format for all the episodes of my show. But I think I will take exception here. And I just like for you to give us a kind of five minute masterclass on how consultant coaches and entrepreneurs generally can actually tap in into the power of LinkedIn to get clients and get their uh, stream of uh, business coming in. Yeah, in a nutshell, there, there's four things that, that people should do on LinkedIn to, to leverage it the right way. Uh, the first thing is optimizing their LinkedIn profile. And uh, this isn't a plug, but if anyone goes to my website, um, scottaaron.net, um, there's a, a free download that anyone can get, which helps you um, learn how to optimize your LinkedIn profile, much like you would optimize a website, because just like websites are SEO optimized, search engine optimization, uh, when Microsoft bought LinkedIn out, um, the same goes for a LinkedIn profile. So you need to make sure that the right keywords, the right SEO is involved uh, within your LinkedIn profile. So the first layer of really how to get LinkedIn to work for you and to pick up clients is to have an attractive LinkedIn profile that's going to invite people in rather than push them away. Um, so making sure that it's highlighting what you do, how you do it, who you serve, how, how you serve them, and what kind of results they can get. The second thing is building that network because you're allowed to have up to 30,000 connections on LinkedIn. So you have to strategically think about, you know, who are the right people that I want to talk to? And there's two types of connections that anyone should have uh, on LinkedIn. Number one is your ideal client avatar. And that's the person that is best suited for your product, good, service, or program. So from a professional standpoint or industry standpoint, who is that person that if I connected with them and if I got on a call with them and I heard about a little bit of what they do, I told them about what I do and what I created, that it would be a no-brainer for them to say yes. Once you can figure out who that ideal person is, and the example I give, say I had a coaching program that helped uh, fitness professionals take their business from in-person to online. Obviously, I would connect with other fitness professionals, sharing my story about how I did that, letting them know I have a program that can teach them, and if they'd be interested in taking a look at it. The other type of connection that you want to have is what I call power partners. Power partners are people that you can network and collaborate with or get introductions from. So using the same example as I gave you before, if other fitness professionals are my ideal clients, then a gym owner would be my power partner because gym owners employ the fitness professional. So I can network with those gym owners and saying, hey, 
you know, here's who I'm looking to connect with. Is there any introductions that you can do for me? And, you know, how are you looking to grow your business on LinkedIn? And who can I introduce to you? So again, there's a lot of back scratching. So you optimize your profile. You start inviting and building your network around ideal clients and power partners. And the third thing, you're going to message people in a genuine fashion. You're not going to spam people. You're not going to pitch. You're not going to sell. You're going to connect. The person who builds the most relationships on LinkedIn is the one that's going to win. So when you're reaching out to the person, you reach out in a very genuine fashion. So you always start with a nice, warm opening, you know, hey, so-and-so, it's great to be connected to you. The second thing is you're going to create a connection point between you and that person. You know, I noticed that we were both fitness professionals, would love to hear how things are going with you, share more about what's going on with me and how we can support one another here on LinkedIn. And the third thing you're going to do is you're going to finish with a CTA, a call to action. Questions lead to answers. Statements lead to nowhere. Did you have any time this week or next week for a call or a Zoom? So when you state the person's name in a relaxed fashion, and you create that connection point with a specific call to action of getting on a call, guess what? They're going to respond. You have a great conversation. You don't pitch or sell. You look to connect, build a relationship, share the value, let them know that you're there to serve them when they're ready, if they're ready, um, at, you know, not at that specific time. And the fourth and final thing is creating value-added content. You're not just going to be connecting and messaging. You need to nurture your audience. And the best way to do that is to create content at a minimum three days a week on LinkedIn. I always suggest Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Monday, doing a video, two to four minutes that is giving educational and informative tips or how-tos within your zone of genius that is obviously solving the problem of the people that you've been connecting with. So really focusing on the person on the other side of the computer screen, not you. Don't post things that you want to post about. Talk about things that you know the person on the other side of the computer screen needs to learn. Wednesdays, I always like to do poll questions. So asking my audience a specific question around a pain point that they're looking to have solved. So what is your biggest struggle in business right now? Number one, generating leads. Number two, creating content. Number three, closing sales. When people start to vote on those specific things, now it's giving me ammunition to then create content that is going to be built around solving the problem of that specific need. So if they say closing sales, then on Friday, I can create a long form post giving them three specific keys to closing more sales on LinkedIn, one, two, and three. So everything is value added. Everything is to nurture and to build the no like, and trust because at the end of the day, no one ever buys anything from anyone that they don't know, like, or trust. And producing content from that perspective and point of view will absolutely build that over time. So optimizing one's profile, building the right kind of network, messaging in a genuine way, and producing that value added content will get you moving in the right direction utilizing LinkedIn. Okay. Wow. Like <laughs> I've been taking notes and I think I've got a lot of tips that I personally will implement in my business uh, with all you've said. So thank you so much uh, for uh, all those tips. It's very, very awesome. Those four steps are uh, strategies, very, very cool. And I think uh, people should check uh, you out and uh, 
get yourself available of everything you've got to offer as a LinkedIn strategist. I want to ask you, what is one question that you wish I, I would have asked you pertaining to LinkedIn? You know, I, people always ask me, um, you know, why LinkedIn over other platforms? And, you know, the, the simple answer to that question is, you know, why not LinkedIn? You know, if you really look at uh, the reason for Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, it's to entertain people, but it's also to stay connected to people on a personal level, you know, people that you know. So why I always tell people LinkedIn is that, you know, your network is always in direct correlation to your net worth. So if you're not happy with the net worth of your business, look at the network that you have or don't have. And the fact that LinkedIn allows you 30,000 connections compared to the 5,000 on Facebook, the average age is 30 to 55, which is a more professional demographic compared to 18 to 29 on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, and the average income that someone makes on LinkedIn is $100,000 a year or more compared to that of Facebook and Instagram, which is $30,000 a year or less. It becomes clear this is a platform that people need to leverage. So it's not so much why LinkedIn, it's why not LinkedIn and why not now. Yeah, that's very, very awesome. So uh, just let us take some questions from the our question round because we have a few minutes left on this episode because uh, I've got to sink in everything that you have got to talk about, about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So what is one uh, superpower that you think you've got that has contributed to you winning in business? Uh, uh, resiliency. You know, I've, I've been through a lot of ups and downs, making millions, losing millions, uh, filing for personal bankruptcy, a couple of divorces along the way, a lot of trials and tribulations. But I always tell people that my, my failures have opened the doors to my successes. So being resilient, never giving up, always moving forward will always provide you the winning solution. Um, so again, taking those bumps and bruises, you know, whenever you're on a roller coaster, what's the first thing that you do? You pull that safety harness down, you hold on tight and you enjoy the ride because again, entrepreneurship is not a straight line. So when you know that going into it, being resilient and understanding that you're going to have to take those bumps and bruises along the way are going to set you up for success. Okay. Awesome. Uh, do you have one book that you have read that has changed your life uh, that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? So from a, a, a money mindset standpoint, uh, our relationship with money is probably one of the most valuable things that people can learn because if you don't have a healthy relationship with money, you're not going to have a healthy relationship with your business. So one of the books that, that my wife and I um, always go back to um, is a book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. It was the first money mindset book ever written before Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Secret, The Strangest Secret, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, and it really teaches you uh, amongst the, the many things in that book is that live in a world of creation and collaboration instead of a world of competition and comparison. So if you have not read The Science of Getting Rich, I highly, highly suggest you reading that as soon as possible and read it every year as a refresher because as you grow, as your business changes, so will your mindset and you have to meet it where it is. Okay, thanks for that recommendation. A link to the book uh, Scott just mentioned, uh, you can find it at uh, www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com. Just search in the search bar there for the show note for this episode. I just got, uh, search for Scott and you get the show note for this episode. Every link that 
uh, Scott have mentioned about, you can find it in that uh, show notes. So before we round up, uh, before we say goodbye to you, uh, and before you tell us where we can connect with you online, in one minute, what is one big lesson that you have learned in all your years of entrepreneurship? That you are going to fail more often than you are going to succeed. And for me uh, and my wife, um, having the confidence to unconfidently put yourself out there uh, is going to be an advantage for you to succeed. Because if you're waiting for you to have the utmost confidence to confidently put yourself out there, you're going to be standing at that bus station for the rest of your life. You have to be confidently unconfident saying, you know what? I'm going to put this out there. It may work. It may not. If it does great. If it doesn't, I'm going to figure out why it didn't go back to the drawing board, draw it up a different way and put myself back out there again. So really understanding that in business, in entrepreneurship, that you are going to fail much more often than you will succeed is going to set you up for, for a, a lot of wonderful things because along the way of failing, that's where you actually learn those successful things that need to be done in order to create that successful business. So the simple analogy, the quicker that you fail, the quicker you'll be able to succeed. Yeah, you are spot on. And I think uh, most failures that we have as entrepreneurs are uh, the exact things that the attract step that always uh, push us uh, to that uh, success. And when those wins come, they always come big. And at the end of the day, we have to look back and say, oh, at the end of the day, these are not even failures. And uh, those are lessons. So thanks so much for that. Where can we find you online? Where can we connect with you and get ourselves uh, available of every good stuff that you are doing online? Yeah, my website, uh, www.scotaaron.net. That's S-C-O-T-T-A-A-R-O-N.net. Um, all my social handles on there. But if you just Google Scott Aaron, you'll, you'll find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube. Um, I have a podcast called Networking and Marketing Made Simple on iTunes and Spotify. So you can check me out there as well. All right. Thanks so much. A link to every link down resources as Scott has mentioned on this episode. You can head straight to www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com and just search for Scott Aaron in the search bar and you get the show note for this episode. Uh, so thank you so much, Scott. It's been a very awesome time learning uh, about LinkedIn and uh, all the strategies that you have pushed to us. Uh, it's a very good value for listeners out there too. For actually, most, for most people who are actually looking in, into maybe transitioning from Facebook to uh, LinkedIn because Facebook are really crazy now uh, with banning accounts and stuff like that. Yep. So that's uh, this particular episode came very handy for most people because of what is happening with Facebook. So thanks so much. We salute you and we uh, say kudos to you for keeping the entrepreneurial fire burning. And uh, I wish to have a conversation with you once uh, in another time to talk about uh, advanced talks about LinkedIn. And I believe if I call you, you surely say yes to jump on a call with me like this. So thanks so much. Scott. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, hope the episode helps and, and just, uh, you know, grateful to be here. Yeah, we are grateful to, to have you on the show. So thank you so much and we'll catch you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. For more episodes and the show notes for this episode, visit www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com. And I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes if this episode has been of value to you. See you next time on another episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. And until then, keep building and keep the entrepreneurial fire burning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. For more episodes and the show notes for this episode, visit www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com. And I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes if this episode has been of value to you. See you next time on another episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. And until then, keep building and keep the entrepreneurial fire burning.